So thank you, Roger. The power of uh, the principles and the power of vision. Then I realized, oh, there's probably a, a lot of people that uh, are just coming into the faith, and we have viewers online, uh, I bet, that still don't understand the gravity and the importance and the significance of truly understanding your purpose and and belonging to a church with purpose. So if we could put that uh, photo up, I think it's of the, that's going to help me. 
Wonderful. Um, yes, and so I do want to talk about, and the, and the, the video has already um, shared with us that God knew us in our mother's womb. And I thought what I would do uh, in a few moments that I have, I would share with you um, the great prospect that we have as being born onto this, uh, into this world and being sent from heaven. You are placed in your mother's womb, a place of sanctity. Um, you were born and into a conflicted world. We, we understand this. Uh, it wasn't uh, perfect. No one's life was perfect, I bet. Um, in fact, when I was born, well, when my eldest uh, sister was born, uh, she died of a heart um, condition at six weeks old. And unfortunately, the intervention, the medical intervention that was available six months later was too late uh, for my eldest sister. And so I was uh, born in 58, came out on a boat and through a hurricane when I was three months old over the Atlantic Ocean, great conflict, uh, you're getting the picture. And so we pioneered and uh, just amazingly enough, we survive infancy and that's just a miracle in itself for everyone, isn't it? Um, especially the swing sets that we used to play on Roger that were about eight, nine meters high and you'd fall off them, lay there dead, and your mother would come up to you and just kick you and say, come on, just run it off, you know, you're all right. And, um, but so in the 70s, uh, in, in my gen, we experimented with life, all the philosophies um, and all the other stuff. You experiment with your life. Uh, you experiment with this amazing body that we have, this made in the image of God. We have intellect, we have creativity, we have a conscience, we have an ability to worship. We can even worship materialism things. We can worship stuff. And, and then you, you take that too far and you worship your career, you worship your color bond roof, whatever. And so we realize that we have a morality, that there is a good and a bad side to belong to. And this is all innate given to us because we have the image, we are made in the image of God. And so for me, I was radically saved in late 70s through an encounter, a white light swirled in my room and I realized Jesus is Lord and that the creator of the universe knew me, as the scripture said. But I didn't really know that I was set apart until I joined the church. I joined the church, we joined the church, Julie and I, in 85, 1985, and I realized these people are on mission. They're not just sitting around singing Kumbaya, they are on mission, and that particular church, which was in Liverpool, George Street, um, they were on mission uh, to save the lost, uh, reach the nations, and to have their own building, which they eventually did, five acres at Hoxton Park, and there's a miraculous story connected with that. And so I realized people were giving with purpose to the vision and serving. So the boomers, guys, the boomers um, came to church. They, the boomers were born, I, I guess, help me, um, is it 47? Anyway, 
yeah, post-war, post-war generation. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you so much, Taro. 47 to 62, the man in the audience is saying. Um, and so the boomer generation came to church and they swore allegiance or, or they worshiped God uh, and they, they, proved their, they proved their worship unto God through their attendance, through their giving, and their serving. Did you hear that? That's how the church is built, was built, a lot of it throughout the world, through the giving, through the serving, and attendance. Thank you. Now, they're saying to me, I'm freewheeling here a little bit, but the millennials who we're counting on to become the church, and they are becoming the church, and they're telling me that the millennials are coming to Jesus, but mainly not through a, a, a goody-two-shoes, a philosophical, a culture club joining, if you know what I mean. They are coming because they've encountered God. And in that, they're able to go counterculture against the tide of humanity that is saying the opposite to, to all that the Bible is saying and to what God is saying. The millennials are actually encountering God, and in the encounter, they are turning and going upstream into the vision and the purpose that God has for them. Is that good news? The key thing is that they want transformation. They just don't want the bells and whistles. They, they're not enamored by big events. They're not enamored by just coming together. Uh, they do want the real deliberate discipleship that the Bible that Jesus talks about, go into all the, it's the go of the gospel, amen, Matthew 28, go into all the world, preach the gospel, teaching people to obey me and all that I say, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and verily I will be with you, my presence will be with you if you do that. So, for me, I didn't know that I was set apart. Uh, I knew I was saved, but then I didn't know I was set apart until 93, until I had an encounter with God through a, a revival meeting. And I realized that God had purposed me to come to this earth, not just to live a nice life and to experience all the pleasantries therein, and even to raise a family as good as that was. And I was totally enamored by that. I was totally worshiping that. I had the, the most wonderful children, the most wonderful wife. I did have a color bond roof, still got it. But you know what I mean? That, that wasn't enough because the Bible says he's put eternity in our hearts. He's put eternity in our hearts. The Bible says, actually, he's given us a burden in, in, in a scripture. In the Hebrew, it's, to, it's interpreted as that burden. In Ecclesiastes, it says that that burden is our responsibility. I think I might have to just look at that quickly, just quickly. To everything there is a season, yes. 
All right, it says in Ecclesiastes 3.10, I have seen the burden God has placed on us all. And in the Hebrew, it's translated as a heavy responsibility, a task. Another description is a responsible urge. You'll find a lot of people eventually are not happy with just even having a fantastic career, a bunch of money, even the, all the achievements in life, there's still a responsible urge that is part of the eternity value that God puts in every life that can only be answered by connecting with your purpose. Are you listening to me, young people? You need to connect with the purpose that God's got for you in this world. So I just love that. I just love that you are set apart. Can we, and, and, and it is um, Vision Sunday, and I believe that we this year can live a meaningful, abundant, fulfilling life in 2024, but it starts with vision. You are sitting in the principles and the power of vision. I could wax lyrical about that, and there's so much great wisdom. And if you need to know something about that, go back in our archives, and, I, and we talk about it quite succinctly, of how to achieve something in life through vision, corporate and personal vision. Um, <clears throat> your vision determines your destiny. Of course, uh, Proverbs 29 verse 18 says, where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained. They can't focus can't reach their goal, can't follow their dream. An older translation says, without vision, the people perish. I, uh, and, and, and we've seen it with our own eyes, that people without vision, there's no vitality of life. Um, they, they don't feel alive. Their aspirations are, are minimal. But let me tell you, I, I, my heart is for you to realize that you've been set apart in your mother's womb, that you were born with purpose. God is a purposeful God, amen? And that there is a purpose that you can live out and a purpose that you can join, which will really bless your world. Um, God has placed within each person a vision that is designed to give purpose and meaning to life. All right, can we put that, our human spirit, let's all, can we say all this, can we say this together? Our human spirit was formed by the breath of God from the foundation of the earth and was pre-programmed for our mission and calling on earth. At the time of our conception, our spirit traveled from heaven to earth to take up residence within the developing embryo in the womb. Just pause. At birth, our spirit is highly developed. By contrast, our soul is a blank slate that needs developing as we learn to speak, read, write, and grow socially. Full stop. As our soul is developing, in many cases, our spirit is ignored and forgotten. Even when our spirit was reborn at the time of our conversion, our spirit is typically shown little attention. As a consequence, in the church today, we see many people with highly developed minds, souls, but an undeveloped spirit. Now, that's an excerpt from the book 
essential foundations of Christian maturity. Our uh, preacher last week, guest uh, speaker, was Peter Dunstan. That's from his book, and I thought that is powerful. So just quickly, um, Jesus' final instruction to his disciples was to make disciples, baptizing them, teaching them to obey all that he commanded. And you can see that in Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20. When Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he prayed like this, which is a prayer that we used to pray in primary school every morning. I don't know how this happened. It was a miracle in, 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 in the nation that, 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 that the culture and the government allowed this to happen. I think it was because every morning when I went to school in primary school, we would say this prayer. Uh, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we would continue. Jesus, and in that, it was spoken through that prayer that Jesus' goal was that heaven would invade earth. Amen? So when we're born again, we entered into the kingdom of heaven. Our allegiance changed from the kingdom of this world that means the kingdom of darkness, to the kingdom of heaven, which is the kingdom of light. For the Bible says in Philippians 3.20, for our citizenship is in, is in heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. We became part of an invading force from another planet, which is really heaven, set behind enemy lines to destroy the works of the enemy. And you can read that in 1 John 3, 8. It's the reason that Jesus came. And it was to bring a culture to this world, to this earth. We, we are told that it was a culture that was birthed in heaven and was trying to colonize and invade, if you like, this world and displace darkness. The culture was love. And if you read 1 John 3, 8, it says, love one another. John 3, 16 says it like this. And this is the reason that we give and serve and attend church. Attending is the community. Attending is providing hospitality. The book of Ephesians says this is God's household. Julie, Pastor Julie and Pastor Phil are the grandparents, you could say. We have many parents in the house and grandparents. We have many uncles and aunties. We have brothers and sisters. It's a community. That is the God version of church. It's, not, it, it, it's just not spectator sport. I'm sorry. So when you read John 3.16, it says, By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us. We also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Verse 17, But whoever has this world's goods... That means the resources that God affords you and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him. How does the love of God abide in him? Can I just say thank you for the people that gave to the love offering last week for our guest speakers. We did so well. Well done. And verse 19, verse 18. My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, 
but in deed and in truth. Pastor Julie will share that in a moment. And by this we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. If our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence towards God. I think one of the most fantastic attributes that you can acquire as a born-again believer, as a Christian, is to have confidence to walk out your days when you're in good stead with the Lord, that he is smiling on you, favoring you, and there are open doors before you. Is that right, church? It's a confidence towards God when we get this right. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments to do those things that are pleasing in his sight. What's the vision about? It's doing things that are pleasing in his sight. And this is his commandment that we should believe on the name of the Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. Now he who keeps his commandment abides in him and he in him. Remember Julie said that? Put your hand on your heart and your chest. Now he who keeps his commandments abides in him and he in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given us. Now the New Testament Colossians, part of my devotion this week, talked about Colossians 3.13. It says, bearing with one another. We're doing this together, amen? Changing our allegiance meant we were left in a hostile world as citizens of heaven. Everyone's got their story of hostility, great conflict, great trauma in this world, I bet. At changing our allegiance meant we left, we were left in a hostile world as citizens of heaven, but with a commission from God to be his ambassadors and take the message of love of God to a damaged world. You getting this? This is the, sorry guys, this is the business end of your life and the church. I wish it was easier, but we are on mission with a great commandment to do his bidding because you were set apart in your mother's womb. Can I hear an amen? 2 Corinthians 5.20 says it like this, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God was pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So all the people that you meet in life, Christ, your spirit is desperately reaching out to them, trying to move your mouth and smile at least and offer gestures of love and sincerity on behalf of God. Now that's a freak out for an introvert because an introvert wants to be invisible. Yes. Please do not involve me with this person's salvation or with that stuff they're going through. I've got enough of my own stuff and I've only got enough emotional capacity to deal with me and myself and I. Does anyone feel like that? Did you, did you ever say, <laughs> did you ever say, yeah, we'll be there. Well, we'll go out to that and do that. And then as your introvert self is getting ready, what did I do? 
This is crazy. Great conflict. Romans 1.16. For, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. Now, now the shame is a, is a real deal for people. If I offer a, sin, a sincere gesture of God, of love, what will they think of me? Especially when I'm a secret agent Christian. <laughs> Proverbs 19.21 says, there are many plans in a man's heart. This is for everyone. Nevertheless, the Lord's counsel, that's what will stand at the end of the day. God is the author of the vision. Where did you get this vision? To, to raise a church up in Wyong Tugra. God? How? Had an encounter with God? Stopped watching TV? Prayed all the days? Worshipped for hours on end? Consecrated our life? The Bible says in Joshua, consecrate yourself and you will do mighty exploits. Oh, we didn't get it out of a Kellogg's cornflakes box or, or, or a good idea or a committee even. We didn't even get it from a committee. We got it from the throne of grace. And, and, and it transcended all the insecurities and all the inadequacies and lack, lack of finances. But you know what? If God says it, it can be done. All things are possible through him. And that leads me to Isaiah 12, 2. Behold, God is my salvation. I just sense myself standing to attention to this and saluting. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For Yah, Yahweh the Lord is my strength and song. He also has become my salvation. Therefore, with joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. Now, that well of salvation, I believe, is your purpose and your destiny. Some are looking down that well and go, God, that's my will and destiny. I don't want to draw water up from them. What's it going to do to my life? It's going to, it's going to ruin my life, maybe. No, it's going to resurrect your life, raise your life up. It's going to optimize your life. It's going to empower your life. But a lot of people are saved and they just have that well just sitting there. I'll just use it when I have to. But every day you should be putting a bucket down through devotions, Bible reading. You should be putting a bucket down there and doing what? Therefore, with joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. Drawing up glory, drawing up purpose and destiny. Isaiah 12, 4 says, And in that day you will say, Praise the Lord, call upon his name, declare his deeds among the peoples, make mention that his name is exalted. Sing to the Lord, for he has done excellent things. This is known to all the earth. Cry out and shout, O in inhabitant of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel in your midst. And can I hear an amen? Now, the Bible says, to finish it off, the Bible says that we have a cross to bear. 
Matthew 16, 24, then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now, this is the real hard one. This cross is your will against his will, my life against him owning your life and his preferences to your preferences, his priorities to your priorities. Let's say it like that. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Why is it that greedy people, even stingy people, their life shrinks? Fearful people, their life shrinks. But people with joy, with, with faith, with, with a sense of the fear of God, they seemingly are blessed. It, it's a paradoxical kingdom we serve for whoever desires to save his life will lose it but whoever loses his life for my sake I'll pull this back church attendance I'll pull I'll pull my finances back it will save me it will preserve me I will pull back from serving giving what was the other one an attendance that will preserve my life no it won't you will lose yourself in doing that. <laughs> it's a paradoxical kingdom, guys. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? And I've got here, Jesus has said that those who follow him must willingly sacrifice themselves in every way. They must be willing to deny their own wants and preferences, taking up the crosses as he is doing and will soon do. In a, oh, he's talking about Jesus because he's talking about his future. He literally did. He's actually spoke that and he's saying, that's what I'm going to have to do and it's what you're going to have to do. Matthew 16, 27 says, for the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. Assuredly, I say to you, there are some standing here who shall not taste death till they see the Son of Man coming in his glory. So a true disciple is one that denies self and lives for Christ. Does that make sense? rather than ignoring the commands of the Lord Jesus by living for themselves. A real disciple is one that abides in Christ, takes up his cross and follows him, rather than ignoring the way of the cross and following the way of the world. Every disciple is a believer, but not all believers choose to take the route of discipleship by way of the cross. We're actually seeing a phenomena in millennials. They are actually not just becoming believers, but they are becoming disciples. Garth Ball, our son-in-law, is presiding over two churches that are actually doing that because that's his mindset. Because why? Because he's immune to all the bells and whistles of sensational presentation of church you could say it's getting down to the real tin tacks of the the guts of the matter 
That scripture, by the way, was not for unbelievers. It was for believers. So my prayer is this. Dear Lord, there is nothing in this world that I can accumulate to exchange for my own soul. The price is too high for me to pay. But Lord, you paid the price for my soul with your shed blood upon the cross. The free gift of the salvation of my soul cost you so dearly. Help me to understand how precious I am to you. Help me to live a life that is pleasing to you. A life that seeks your will, not mine, in Jesus' name. Amen. Isaiah 46 verse 10. I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come. I say my purpose, my vision will stand and I will do all that I please. From the east I summon a bird of prey and from afar I land a man to fulfill my purpose. What I have said, that I will bring about. What I have planned, that will I do. Now, lastly, when you were born, when Jesus stepped into the temple after he went to the desert 40 days, 40 nights, overcame Satan, he walked into the, the, the temple and he spoke in Luke 4, 18. He spoke a declaration in terms of this is fulfilled. I'll just do a portion. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, he said, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free. I believe the blind eyes are the spiritual blind eyes. I believe that the, the eyes that need to be opened for us now is our spiritual eyes to see the harvest. Do you not say there are still four months more and then comes the harvest? Jesus said, behold, I say to you, lift your eyes and look at the fields. They are already white unto the harvest. What is being born again? It's being set apart unto a purpose. You're being given great attributes from God to make a difference in this world. We in the Western world have been given great resources to contribute to the great mission of God to reach all the peoples of this world. Some may say, I don't see it. Father, I'm praying that the scales would fall off our eyes this morning that we would see the harvest, that it's not four months more, that in fact, it's right now. Jesus, I pray and I thank you for the ones who saw the harvest, all the people that served this church for 27 and a half years. Why did they give so wonderfully, generously, willingly? I believe they encountered God. I believe they saw the harvest. I believe they saw the vision and I believe they understood their purpose in their belonging to a certain church. 
and they connected with that and gave to that and served that and attended to it and worshipped God and loved God. And in that, they were richly rewarded. They became bigger on the inside and supernatural stuff broke out in their life. I know it to be true. The people that have given to the Lord like this, I've seen their life, I've seen it, and I've seen their life supernaturally blessed in all manner of ways. And then I've seen people who have unfortunately resisted that through fear, intimidation, or they've just not seen it because of the blindness. And I've seen them shrink and become just normal citizens on planet Earth. We are citizens of the King. We are his people of God, set apart to do a great work for God. Let's give on that notion. Let's give with that principle. Let's give and serve God through our attendance, our serving, and our giving with great vision that we are reaching the harvest. Julia will explain that. Can we reach into our... Um, our, our have they got cards? I think they had on their seats and at the back the information. Hang on, just wait. If you are wanting to give to the vision builders, the brochures are in the back of your seat. It's DGR. It's, um, this is for the viewers too. We have a tax-deductible gift account that you can give to that will bless our vision, our mission. That is, not every church has got that. If you're a business person uh, and if you want to drop in something significant, praise God. I recommend you doing that. But on a whole, thank you for the people that are giving their tithes and offerings and connected and engaged and committed and, and they really are faithful to that. It makes all the difference. I thank you. Let's give the Lord a hand clap. As you prepare to give this morning, thank you, Jesus. Amen. Um, 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 yes, you can take that up if there's any cards to take up. But please, I would recommend going to the F. FPOS machine and the uh, information desk. And just for a few moments, we're, we're going to chat, we're going to say hi, but please, you're free to give right now. Amen. And online, you're free to give. Amen. and say hi to someone, have a bit of a shake, turn the music up, just shake it out.